Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness, where we will be sharing insights into the world of mental health and wellness as we explore traditional medicine and holistic healing options. It's time to have new conversations about mental health. Join Mara James, the founder and CEO of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, as she guides us along this journey. And now, let's talk wellness. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I am your host, Mara James, and I want to say thank you for joining us for today's conversation. During Let's Talk Wellness, we focus on healing, understanding, growth, and spirituality. This is part of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a subsidiary of the nonprofit organization called Extraordinary Lives Foundation, where we're devoted to supporting mental health awareness and providing resources for children and their families. As the founder of these organizations, I have the great joy of collaborating with a team of amazing people to help bring healing to children and their families around the world. You can find all of our information at elfempowers.org, and we will share the link in the show information. Now, let's talk wellness with today's host, Shannon Horton. Shannon is a spiritual advisor and motivational speaker and is currently studying for her PhD in psychology. And Shannon has been such a great support for me in the past and always reminds me to practice what I preach. So it's such an honor to have you today. Welcome, Shannon. Hi, everyone. And Mara, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's it's such an honor to have you. Um, you know, when we were um, speaking a few weeks ago, and you said something to me about children being really intuitive, I said, wow, this is great information. It'd be great to get the word out there. So we'd love to hear um, about children being intuitive and about the different ages and different stages. Sure. So children from, let's say, birth, until about seven are in what we call a brain state, mostly theta state. So it's a meditative state where they're just absorbing and absorbing. They're very magical. They tend to daydream a lot. They tend to um, play make-believe and they believe anything and they're, they're just receiving they're connected. So they pick up on things. They can see auras. Some of them, some of them remember uh, past lives. They have vivid memories of past lives. Uh, some of them feel emotions around people. They just know what people are feeling. They can tell if something's good or bad for them or not so good. So children are highly, highly gifted. And if parents took the time to really not, uh, to really listen and to pay attention, they could learn a lot from their child versus the the beta brain, which I call a beta brain, where you could just go, 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 the next to do, the next to do, the next to do, just get through the day. They'll learn a lot from their child. Now, seven on, they start realizing that um, they're more of their analytical processes come in. So they start realizing how things relate to them, how they relate to the external world, the external world relates to them. Uh, People like when they have teachers, adults telling them that's make believe, you're just seeing things. So they may actually believe the adult and turn off the intuition. Now there are children that know what they're seeing is real or hearing or feeling or knowing, and they'll ignore it. Okay. Uh, you have a range of them. But that's where the issue is, is when they turn around. Uh, they start wanting to be very um, 
approved, you know, like approval from friends and society. And they might turn off their gifts or might hide their gifts or not use them so much. Okay. Because it's not normal in their right. right. Does that help? <laughs> no, it's absolutely. And um, and again, um, I want to go back a little step back because you mentioned auras in past lives. So I want you to explain um, A, what an aura is and B, for people listening that might not believe in past lives, mm-hmm. um, how that conflict and belief and maybe what is real um, plays out. And then C, uh, um, know like, you know, when a child, let's say, hears or knows or seeing, if you could t- talk about those different clairs, clairaudient, claircognizant, and, you know, a parent might be, you know, I, I know for me years ago, if my child came with this, I would have been horrified and had to know your child is not quote unquote, I hate that term crazy, but actually gifted. So sorry, mm-hmm. I gave you a lot to talk about. Sure. Well, with children, uh, past lives, I understand <laughs> everything is conscious. So let's go back to physics 101. Everything is energy. It, what they say, matter and motion, it's really when you look down at something solid, how slow the atoms are moving or how fast the items are moving, that makes the density. It's the vibration, the movement of those. And so when you take a cell or an atom, it's a photon of light. So everything is energy and everything is consciousness. Therefore, we are consciousness, right? Consciousness in solid matter here. Um, and so our, these children come in, a lot of them have had past lives and there is legitimate psychological research on this. Dr. Ian Stevenson and Dr. Jim Tucker and the team at the University of Virginia, the, the Department of Perceptional Studies has done extensive research around the world on children who remember their past lives. Wow. Their most famous case is the reincarnation of Anne Frank. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look that one up. She's still alive. The Tell lady. me about that. So I haven't heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a young, there's a woman named Barbara Carlin, and she knew she was Anne Frank when she was young. She, when she was little and can really talk, I want to know where my parents are. She never saw her parents. As Barbara, her parents that birthed Barbara, right? Uh, as her parents, and eventually, her parents had to listen to her. That okay, something's going on with this. It was so extensive her memories of being Anne Frank. She could take without being to where the Franks hid during World War II. She could lead. Don't worry, Mom, Dad, I could take you there. She knew. Her parents decided to take her to the Anne, the Anne Frank house where they were in hiding. At what age and was that? I think it was seven, eight. Okay. Okay. So you have to, I haven't listened to her story for a long time. It's fascinating. And she, now the museum wasn't there yet. They were renovating. They were still, and this was actually a cousin, I believe, uh, of Anne Frank that knew Anne Frank and the Frank family that was creating this museum in her honor and she takes them right to the house they didn't have to get a taxi took them right to the house 
and was so excited. She ran upstairs. This is the kicker. This is why I really remember when she was talking. She ran upstairs into the attic where they were hiding, right? And she goes, wow, my pictures are still here on the wall. Remember, she had movie stars and right on the thing. And then she turns and looks at her parents and then looks again and all the pictures are gone. She goes, wait a minute, where, where, where are my pictures? And the lady, the lady that took care of the home, the museum, was shocked. She, she goes, we're remodeling. There were pictures and we're going to put them back up behind plexiglass to preserve them. They took pictures of where they were and they're going to plexiglass, but they were there. And the cousin of Anne Frank, who is also like an older man now, right? Uh, it talked to her and he believed this was Anne, the reincarnation of Anne. And he got so much criticism from society from that they said, don't, it's okay. You don't have to say I'm the reincarnation anymore. Even as Barbara got older, you don't have to, you know, defend me, you know, because he was getting so much criticism from society. So now, okay, I'm always putting myself in the shoes of Mm -hmm. parents. If Mm -hmm. my kids told, if one of my kids told me that they're the reincarnation, I would think that they were just out to lunch. A, mm-hmm. B, it'd be like, well, I'm your parent and I wouldn't understand. It's like, what advice would you give to a parent that loves their child so much and wants to be supportive to their child and doesn't understand it, right? The first thing, you know, someone's like, mm-hmm. let me go to a psychiatrist and medicate them because that's, because I don't understand it. So what like loving advice could we give to a parent that's experiencing something where their child's either something as, you know, far out there as like remembering who they were in a past life or some, or, or, or again, like they're hearing, they might be seeing spirits, um, they're hearing things, they just know things that there's no way that they could know unless it mm-hmm. was their um, sixth sense. Yes. So my high, I recommend parents to do research. I recommend us take ownership and do research. It's our responsibility versus just, you know, you're crazy. It's your imagination. You have an overactive imagination. So, hmm, that's interesting. Let me research that. And I just, you know, explain that University of Virginia's Department of Perceptional Studies has been researching past life, near-death experience, and reincarnation for a long time, since the 70s, at least. There are a lot of cases. There's a wonderful YouTube, and I have it, Mara, and I can send it to you where the panel of them are interviewed about past lives. And Dr. Jim Tucker is on that panel being interviewed Unfortunately, Dr. Ian Stevenson has passed away, so he is not on the panel, but he could be there in spirit, right? Jim Tucker, I'm writing that down. Yes, he wrote a book about him and Dr. Ian Stevenson's research. It's called Return to Life. You could buy it on Amazon. Okay. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful, wonderful book on a lot of the key research they've done from around the world and interviewing children. Uh, and the remember, who remember their past lives. I encourage parents, b- before you tell your child they're crazy, they're imagining things, say, hmm, I'm going to do research and see what happens. And that's what often, it happens so frequently, the t- child is talking about this lifetime or who they were or specific names. There's another child, um, 
I can't remember the name of his name, but he kept remembering that his name was James and he had three friends and he knew their names. He was in World War II and he was a pilot and shot down near Japan. Okay. He talked about it all the time. He knew so much about planes at three, four years old. That's not possible. Right. Right. The parents decided that, oh, we need to do research on this. And they started doing research. They started asking him questions. What ship were you on? He would answer. Right? Yeah. And they started doing research and found that there were three friends with the exact names, three people with that and those first names on that ship with him. And there was a James, a pilot who was shot down off the coast of Japan. Okay. He was so, there wasn't peace, right? This child didn't have peace. Yeah. And they actually took him to where James was shot down, took the trip. The parents were wise enough. Let's go say goodbye to this part of you. And now he, he was able to say goodbye. And that young man, the memories of that life have now faded. Oh, interesting. He has peace. He has peace. Yes, peace. Right. And it's interesting because I'm just working with um, a dear new friend and client who has a beautiful five-year-old son. Um, mm-hmm. She's Mormon. I was talking to her about past life stuff and some of what he, what's going through now with him. Um, for me, it was testing like a mm-hmm. past life thing. And it was kind of like, whoa, we don't believe in that. And I'm like, it's all of God and, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. But, um, just at least planting the scene. I'm like, listen, whether or not you believe in it, if there's something in a past life that is affecting your child or you now, you know, and as a mother, we would do anything for our children. Like, do you know? And so now she's like, okay, like baby steps, but she's definitely interested in learning more. Um, and it's so amazing because I worked with so many, um, you know, moms with them or their, you know, or their children mm-hmm. who have had past life experiences that have really affected their life now mm-hmm. that in, a session with one of our healers, bam, healed it, gone. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So I've had clients I've referred to hypnotherapists because their son or daughter is, I know what they're experiencing has to do with past lives. And sure enough, like there was a, I had a a client whose son was having excruciating gut pain. I mean, horrible gut pain. In his teens, pre-teens, teens, and nothing would take it away. And I told her, I, I think you need to take him to a hypnotherapist because I know it's past life. And he's holding it in his liver, his liver in Chinese medicine. I've studied, you know, Chinese medicine theory. It's the spirit of the hoon and it's the Akashic record keeper. It holds everything we've ever experienced as a consciousness. And so... I said, I think it would be wise. Here, his pain went totally away. He had vivid memories of being a soldier in World War II. He was speaking a different language and he was bayoneted in the gut. Wow. He was fluently speaking a different language during that past life regression. And he understood he was responsible for a lot of the men that died that day. And he was carrying that guilt that they didn't make it home alive. Wow. And he was able to release it and forgive it and understand why he went through it and no more pain. That is amazing. 
Mm-hmm. You also shared with me that our intuition. So it's interesting because like a past life thing, it, it, it's kind of, it's the intuition. It's the knowing that something happened mm-hmm. or it's going to. And you said that it, oh, it affects our bodies and the intuition always tells the truth. Can you elaborate yes. on that, please? Yes. Our bodies in HeartMath Institute has researched this. They have discovered the heart energy field, which is connected directly to the pineal gland, which is our third eye crown, right? Okay. Picks up seven to 10, at least seven to 10 seconds sooner before we see or experience something. Hmm. That's in their research. That's not precognition researching beyond like where people are having premonitions days, weeks, months before, right? So our heart energy is picking up seven to 10 seconds before what is going to happen, what's going to show up in our energy field, in our lives externally. Okay. Now our bodies are picking up things all the time. There is a lot that we're picking up on that we are not seeing and hearing, but we're feeling, we're knowing. It's all in our brain, our consciousness. Remember the brain is the avenue for the consciousness to exist in here, like to operate here, it's a computer. Program in, program out. Okay, consciousness is picking it up and it's trying to analyze everything's trying to, our subconscious, conscious, you know, super conscious, it's all trying to analyze that information. You're just unaware of it. Okay, so has anyone, you know, I can say, has anyone walked into a building and said, oh, I don't feel good about being here, <laughs> Right. That's your intuition saying there's something funky going on here or driving down a street saying, I really feel like I need to turn. I don't know why I need to get off this road and turn. And sure enough, they find out later there was an accident or there was an event that happened, a tornado or trees fell over the road. And if they did not listen to their intuition, it could have been them. Okay. There's a lot of that precognition we know we just we can't explain what what the why is but we just know we have that gut to to listen to so our, we everybody's different and how that shows up when we're around toxic individuals people who are very unhealthy they're they are not safe people and when i talk about either physically safe mentally safe or emotionally safe we might clench our jaw. We might get anxious. We might put our shoulders up into our ears. We might get a belly ache. We might start having pain in our body. We may um, feel like we're suffocating. Okay. Um, I've, I can tell you all the things I've experienced. I couldn't stop itching. I was in a field of someone that was not a healthy individual. I fully believe he was a sociopath. Very dangerous individual. I couldn't stop itching. I was like, I got to get out of here and I got to get out of here safely. I mean, he was talking crazy stuff like, I chose you because I think you'd follow me anywhere. I'm like, no, you misread me. Okay. (laughs) Where's the exits? And, you know, I was very, I I knew something was not right with him. Okay. He was not talking very sane. (laughs) So um, with that, we want to pay attention to our gut. And that whole day before trying to get there to this event, I kept being delayed. I was delayed a half hour to this event. 
I, I, and I was like, I think I'm not meant to go there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, but I didn't listen. And then I saw why. Okay. <laughs> um, so our intuition is there to help us if we listen to it and we give it. I mean, have you had the two by four where, ah, that's not, it, it doesn't, the intuition doesn't seem logical and we go with our logic and then we get smacked. Well, that's the thing, the ego, the brain versus the gut and the gut is always right and the brain gets in the way. Yeah. Um, for sure. Right. Um, and also with that, like lack of safety, could it be like you're feeling it either in this life or something from a past? Is it always in the present? It could be in the present as well. It could. So this is where we have to have um, discernment as a parent. What is the energy telling me? This Our children are here to give us more discernment and more awareness. And when a child is kicking and screaming, not wanting to go somewhere, we want to stop and ask why. If they're kicking and screaming because they don't want that individual around them, we want to ask why. Why is my child reacting this way? What but is the energy telling children, me? They might not have the words. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I was just, I was reading a book by a woman who um, was talking was it that maybe I'm confused there was a story where oh yeah there was a woman that was molested by her grandfather and then there was a story like where I think the grandfather somebody was under the table every time he came over but no and everyone just called him shy as opposed to like him being scared of this person so Mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't know how to voice it they're scared to voice it what do we do then obviously so um predators People who are molesting or trying to molest to have that intent. Children can pick up on that. Okay. Children can feel that energy. Oof. And it's saying they're safe. A lot of them, this is what they do. They will say, if your your parents will hate you if you tell them what happened, it's your fault. A child doesn't know any difference, right? They don't want their parents to hate them. And they don't want it to be their fault. So it's the shame. You're making me do this, right? So um, they won't love you. It, the, all that talk, a lot. often the predators, they groom them. They're already assessing their vulnerability. They have a good intuition. They can see the child's vulnerability. And they use certain phrases or words to do that. So when a child is hiding all the time, when a, a certain person comes over, that's a red flag to me. Yeah, that is a ding, ding, ding. That's saying, okay, I need to have a professional maybe talk because maybe the child's scared. If they have said that to the child, the child may not believe the parent that they're going to love them unconditionally, reassure their love, take them to a, a therapist, see if the therapist could get them to talk about what is happening, why they don't feel safe, why do they hide with this person all yeah. the time. That is a red flag. Yeah. Children yeah. will do what they can to protect themselves, but if they don't feel like the adults will protect them. Wow. You know what? We're going to take a brief break and we're going to come okay. right back because this is so juicy. And I want, <laughs> um, I want you to share with us how to encourage your child to talk and help them express what they want to say and what they're feeling to the best um, and making them feel safe. So if everybody could hold on, we'll be right back. In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. 
The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, and reach out for help. Through prevention, early intervention, and holistic treatment, we believe many of the big problems facing today's youth can be transformed within a generation. Extraordinary Lives Foundation is excited to offer the Hugs for Life Healing Center, growing a worldwide network of approved holistic healers and bridging the gap between traditional and complementary healing options. Visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast. And if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host, Mara James, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Shannon Horton, who is a spiritual advisor, motivational speaker, and currently studying for her PhD in psychology. Welcome back, Shannon. Thank you, Mira. Glad to be here. Yeah. So um, let's continue our talk um, on speaking, you know, guiding parents with their intuitive children, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, taking, you know, you were telling me the other day, like parents really need to take the time to ask their children questions because their children are really intuitive. And I wish I knew this when my kids are younger, because I never knew, like, I always thought I had all the answers and they didn't. And boy, Mm -hmm. oh my God, they could have taught me a thing or two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so share with us about that and also about how children are afraid of getting in trouble or getting someone else in trouble, like a classmate or a teacher or something. So, yeah. yeah. Listening. When we become good listeners, listen to learn, listen to listen versus listen to respond is such a thing. We really get our ding, ding, dings. And that leads us to asking our children questions, healthy questions really high evolved questions. So why don't you want to go into that place? I'm, I'm curious, why, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? What is your reason why? Instead of just saying you're going, we're going, blah, 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 blah. You know, parents are just, I, I understand parents are super stressed. I understand parents, they're just trying to get through the day, most of the days, because they have, they're juggling everything, right? However, listening is the key. We also teach our children, most important thing, most people do not feel validated or heard in life. That is the number one issue with individuals, even as adults, they were never validated or heard from their parents or rarely or from peers or from teachers. To give your children the gift to hear them and ask them questions is empowering. It validates them. They feel heard. And then they're their stress level goes down, their armoring, their defensiveness, their um, defiance can go down because they're being hurt. Mm. Okay. 
So listening to listen, and that skill is important in every area of life. I don't care if it's family, friends, corporate, right? Yeah, spirit, meditation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's important in every area of life. And when you become a good listener versus always the need to talk, you pick up the golden eggs in life and it guides you to the next thing, the next thing. It's magical. And you also get a reputation of being a good listener and people feel safe with, with you, including children, right? They'll feel safe with the parent because they know the parent's really listening. There's no pretending children know when you're pretending to listen. They really listen. So when a child is saying something, you want to ask a question. Well, what question would be good to ask with this? Okay. Well, could you describe that a little more? Uh, I saw the shadow in my room last night. Well, describe that a little more. And how did you feel with that? Were you safe? Did you feel safe? Did you feel fearful? Right? Asking if a child does not like their teacher. I hear this a lot from parents. What do I do? My child, I can't change their homeroom. The school is not allowing me to change their teacher. What do I do? Well, have you asked the child why they do not like their teacher? Mm. Sometimes they don't. They don't ask why. Well, give me reasons why. Okay. You do not like this, this teacher. I get nauseous as soon as I go in the room. Okay, that's a red flag. Why are you getting nauseous as soon as you're getting in the room? What about this teacher is giving you nausea is a good question. You know, um, and they may they may know, not know how to articulate 100% like an adult, but their energy, I don't feel safe with them. That's a ding, ding, ding to me. Wow. And so saying, okay, my child does not feel safe and they're having nausea in this teacher's room. What are my options? Okay, asking the options. Spirit always has a solution for us. Infinite solutions, Mara, infinite solutions for a problem. It's just us being willing to investigate the solutions for that situation. Or is there a peer bullying them? And they're just a child, children are so empathic. They know that that bully they don't like the bully. They don't like the behavior, but they also see that person's pain and suffering. So they don't want to get the teacher in trouble or the bully in trouble, mm. right? They don't want to be the one to tattletale. They don't want to add more stress to that person's life. But the parent to reassure this behavior is only going to get worse and this behavior is only going to be um, affecting more children or more people if we don't address it. So it's important to address it. There's a way to address it that's healthy. And if a child is told there's a way to address it that's healthy, they learn to not avoid conflict and they learn to start facing their fear and facing conflict with love and um, emotional intelligence and the parent can teach them this. Okay. If the parent knows how to deal right. with That's the thing I was just going to say a lot of times, um, you know, as parents weren't taught this, so it's a lot like, okay, let's do our work so we can be better parents for our children. Um, mm -hmm. Because we want yes. to speak, yeah, it's, you know, and um, 
you asked a question, like we want our children to feel safe enough that they could open up and talk about their needs. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as parents, maybe we're not, we don't feel safe in order for them to do it because we have our own stuff that, you know, we weren't validated as children. Exactly. Exactly. A parent does not need to know all the right answers in the moment. Like, yeah. So this is the pressure as adults, even adults with no children, but adults who work with children and work in this industry, we think we have to know all the answers when the question comes. It's okay to say, hmm, I don't know the answer to that question. I will do some research and get back to you. Is that okay? It's okay mm-hmm. to say that to a child because it's admitting I don't know everything, but I, I will do research and get back to you. I'll find the answer for you. That, t- that shows honesty, that yeah, that's beautiful. And when we're not honest, again, like children know it, they oh, feel it. Yes. Intuition is like we can't lie to. We could try to lie to our children, but they know the truth. They feel. They it. know the truth. Yes, energy always tells the truth. Like, uh, we've yeah. always met the fake people, the people that are saying one thing and, and doing one thing, but the energy behind it is insincere. We've all come across those people. Right. That's so funny that you said that because I have a session on Wednesday. There's a woman that just pushes my buttons when I think of her. Like I have a pit in my stomach and she's like, like so spiritual and so like altruistic. And I'm like, oh my God, she's such a narcissist. But it's affecting me like in my, like an emotional level. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I'll see if it's coming from, you know, memories of my father. It's just, but I could feel that incongruence and it's mm-hmm. eating me alive. Yes. So what's, what's the solution? You can call her out on it you can say you're saying and projecting this but the energy behind it I'm feeling this may we talk about this so I love that advice however when some <laughs> of the narcissists as a personality just I you know I just want to just not be in mm-hmm. I'm not working with her kind of like let me mm-hmm. learn my lessons be grateful thank you I love you send you on your way and I just don't know um I don't know uh, with that narcissistic um, personality disorder, if someone can hear it, if they could change, maybe I just have to, you know, we can't change the other person, we have to change ourselves. So with narcissistic personalities, depending on the type of narcissism they are, because there are borderline types, there are histrionics types, they're not necessarily the strict narcissist, but they have a tinge of narcissism in there, right? And they can get triggered. And they may get triggered. Anyone could get triggered, Mara. And a narcissistic type, they, they could more than likely get triggered. So it's really reading the energy. Is it really worth calling them out? And sometimes it is. Sometimes you just want to stand your ground. And this is this is where we have to choose our battle. Oof. Because when you call a narcissist out, you're going to war, right? Yes. Like if it was a family member and you want to try to heal it and, and make amends, mm-hmm. yes. In this scenario, um, definitely I don't see confronting it. I just see using her as a teacher in my life and a learning mm-hmm. lesson that I get to, I get to release it, right? Exactly. Why did I manifest her in my life? What is she here to show me? And I could send her on her way, but yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, you got her number and you can energetically, energetically put them on notice. The narcissist knows when you have put them on notice, I got your number. No more. Mm. And you don't even have to say a word. You meant you mentally see yourself giving them their soul, 
that notice. Mm-hmm. They know. And you'll yeah. watch how they won't, they may try to see if they, it works. I mean, they feel like, but they're very intuitive. They know. They're Are they consciously for- aware or is this a subconscious thing that they're doing? I would say both. They're yeah. very aware they can read energy and they're very aware they're looking for people's weaknesses to manipulate. Yeah. Where yeah. can they manipulate? They are actively consciously looking to where and how they can manipulate at times. Ooh, that's it's icky. It's yeah. very icky. So with that, with that, you have to pick your battles with a toxic personality. Now they all have a similar vibration. Oof. And it's, it, 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 it goes right to my, it gives me, yeah, I'm not hitting my <laughs> yeah. stomach, you know? They yeah. all, yes, have it's just, it's a low, just so everyone knows you're talking about vibration, right? There's that low vibration, mm-hmm. that's fear and anger and negative. And then there's a the high vibration of love, peace, faith, trust. Mm-hmm. So the narcissists yes. are a lower vibration, correct? Yes. Now you, we have to be very careful with narcissists, especially the covert. Because they ha- do have empathy and they do have vulnerability. They have a tinge of borderline uh, issue. Like they flip-flop, right? Poor me to, oh, they go from once they get love bomb and get their their fill, the external supply, they go to grandiose narcissism and they throw out everything they said. And then it leaves the person spinning because they know they were empathic and vulnerable and they meant it in the moment and they totally changed their tune later on because they're in great grandiose narcissism. Mm. So that's why it's so important for our society to get back to what's the energy telling me and I'm just going to own it. Spirit, I see, I, this is the energy I'm picking up about this person. Show me why you'll get it. They will reveal themselves yeah, that's right. interesting because I got the answer, not like a, a, somebody shared with me about this other person. And I'm like, oh, she's a narcissist that explains it. So yes. let me ask you, um, can we teach our children to talk to quote unquote a safe person? Like if we're not around them and they feel we're safe, um, do we tell them like to talk to somebody right then, go to a teacher or wait till they get home and speak to us if there's an issue with um, something at school, let's say? Well, that's what the school counselors are for, right? They're supposed to be a safe person. However, I highly suggest the parents meet all the teachers, meet the principal, meet the counselors, really go to the, like, sorry, my cat, Uh, go to the parent-teacher nights, go to the, uh, where is it, right before school starts, right? The open house nights. Meet these people because you want, just because they're a counselor does not mean they're a safe person. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. We are, we are seeing this in reality that um, just because they're a teacher doesn't mean they're a safe person. And we want to feel their vibration and get, see how they're interacting hear their words, watch, really be observers of these people because we don't want to send our child into the lion's den. Right. Yeah, for sure. And when you say feel their energy, can you share Mm -hmm. with our friends? What does that mean? That means we are feeling. So um, you walk into a room, you're aware of how you're feeling before you walk into the room. You're on the drive there, leaving your house. You know, you're, let's say, happy, 
oh, I'm pretty good, happy, happy, happy. And we walk into a room, all of a sudden we're sad or miserable or angry or irritated. Like, that's weird. I was just happy five minutes ago. That's weird. You're picking up the energy in the room. That's the big example, right? So when, how are you feeling in that teacher or counselor or principal's energy field? Are you clenching your jaw? Are you getting ick in your stomach? Are you putting your shoulders? Are you going like this? A lot of people will go like this. That's a little cat, sorry. Uh, go like this. They protect their heart and solar plexus. They don't feel safe with that person's energy. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Body language is everything. What are you picking up about that person's body language? I'm telling you, the narcissists have a vibration. And when you start paying attention to people's vibrations, like, mm, yeah, there's an edge, an irritation, an edginess uh, in their vibration. You're like, mm, I don't trust that person. And it's okay to have discernment to say, I don't feel like I can trust that person. I'm going to be cautious. Okay. They have a vibration. Unsafe yeah. people always have a vibration. And when you start listening and practicing this day to day, have fun. I tell the adults, practice in the grocery store, practice at the gas station, <laughs> practice right. what, when you're watching whatever on TV, what are you picking up about that person's vibration? Not just the character they're playing. An actor has a vibration. They're vibrating their own vibration to underneath, right? So, or an actress. So practice. Where are you picking up? And say, okay, show me why. And it always gets revealed to validate what you're picking up so that you trust your intuition more. Wow. Beautiful. It's so amazing. Gosh, we now, you know, years ago when I was growing up, we never, or my kids were younger, we never spoke about intuition. And it's amazing how I always say it's like a God-given gift so we can rely mm -hmm. on it when um, our yes. head says, you know, and that's why it's important, like keeping your gut, like health clean, mm -hmm. because it's that connection. Um, yes. This has been amazing. Shannon, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? They can reach me through my website. My website is beyondspiritualhealing.com. Mm -hmm. And my phone number, my emails, all of that is on there. They can contact me. Uh, I could even give my phone number or Mara if they reach out to you. Yep. You know, you can do a referral. But my website is the best, easiest and best way to Beautiful. reach me. And we'll put that website in the show information. Thank Shannon you. and all of our friends out there, I just want to say to you all, thank you. Keep up the amazing work because you are amazing. Yes. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you, Mira, so much.